This day in Yaakov, we are on page Reish Lamed Beis in our books. That is entry Ayin Zion, and we're still talking about the spies. And I have so many interesting things to tell you tonight. I really don't know if we'll get to anything, everything, but let's uh, do the paragraph first, then we'll do commentary. This is the spies. They headed out. They were sent out to, ch- to search out the land, and uh, we have. Yeshua, we have Kalev, we have a bunch of people who have strange names that we talked about last time who are going to end up saying a negative report about the land. We have only two people who don't do an Aveda, and that's Yeshua and Kalev, and they are uh, following the only people who end up entering Eretz Yisrael, the only men who end up entering Eretz Yisrael, the people who left Mitzrayim. The women all entered. The women loved Eretz Yisrael. They all got to go in. You can understand where the Shidduch crisis came from. Anyway, we're now talking about Yeshua and Kalev and their trip into Israel for the spying. It should have said they came to Hebron. So the Lashon of the Pasuk is that they all went all 12 spies went up by Negev and then he went to Hebron. Just one guy. If they're all traveling, I thought they were traveling together. Did someone break off from the group? This teaches us that Kalev decided he was going to separate himself from the rest of the Meraglim and he went to Kivrei Avis. He went to Hebron all by himself. The other spies did not visit Hebron on that trip. Kalev grabbed himself an armored vehicle and went over to Hebron. I added that part. He said to them, he said to his forefathers, Please ask for mercy so that I will be saved from the advice of the Miraglim. So Kalev ends up breaking away from the rest of the spies, going to Hebron and davening to the Ovis that he will be saved from the Atzis Miraglim. Yeshua. Yeshua didn't come with him, otherwise it would still be plural. Why didn't Yeshua come on the class trip to Hebron? Because Yeshua... Huh? He was already protected. Yeshua, Kfar Bikesh Meshel Avrachim. Meshel already asked for Yeshua to have protection. Shnamar, because it says in the Pasuk, Vayikra Meshel Yeshua bin Yun Yeheshua, because it says that Meshel called Heshea bin Nun Yeheshua. He gave him a Yud. Amalai, Ka, I'm giving him a Yud. Yeshiach Amiatzis Meraglim. God should save him from the advice of the Meraglim. This is what it means when it says in the Pasuk, Vavdi Kalev, Ekev Haisuruach Acherasimai. The Kalev and his descendants are eventually given Hevron according to the Torah because Avdi Kalev had a Ruach Acherasimai. He was the only one who had a different way about him. Why do we not include Yeshua in that? Kalev and Yeshua both had a Ruach Acheres to them. And the answer is, Yeshua got a little bit of help from Mesha. Kalev was the only one who initiated the process himself. Kalev realized he might be vic- fall victim to the Atzim Meraglim. So in order to get around that, he goes directly to Hebron to get a bracha. I'm just going to continue reading this last section, then we'll talk. There were some giants there. Their names were Achiman, Sheshai, Salmai, and they were the children of the Anak, the children of the giants. One second. They were the children of the giants. Achiman, Miyuman Shebechav. Why was he called Achiman? Because he was the most skilled. Miyuman Shebechav. We have Sheshai, Shemesim, Esa'aretz, Kishchisais. How do you say that word? Kishchisais. He made the land like Shchisais. That means that he made the land into ditches. He made ground. He, he was so heavy that every time he took a big step, he'd make a hole in the ground. He was like a Bigfoot footprint. Talmai. We have Talmai, Shemesim, Esa'aretz, Talmim, Talmim. Talmai, because he also made these furrows. He made, these, uh, he made these deep holes in the ground due to his weight. David Acher, another interpretation, Achiman Bana Anas. Achiman was called Achiman because he built the city of Anas. Sheshai built the city called Alush. Talmai built the city of Talbush. They were all called, so their names have nothing to do with their size. They simply built some areas. But they're called the children of the giants. The word Anak, because they were so tall that it looked like they were wearing the sun every time they stood up. They were so tall that it looked like the sun was kind of a scarf around them. Okay, I have a bunch of really interesting points here on the first half, and that is, let's start with Kivrei Tzadikim. Uh, you, 
Kaliv goes to the Avis, and it sounds like he davens to them. Amalahem. He said to them, Lahem. He davens directly to the Avis. Amalahem. He said to the Avis, Avis Eilam. You, my Avis. Oh, this is great. Avis Eilam. You, the Avis. Ask for mercy for me. I'll be saved from This seems like you are allowed to go to a tzaddik and say daven to Hashem for me. Is that, in fact, the din? Uh, the Rishenim aren't completely sure, and it really comes down interestingly in Allah. There's a thesis on our section that asks this question more or less. It says that there's a Gemara Mesachas Brachas that concludes that dead people don't know what's going on in the world. There's a whole back and forth. Do the dead know what's going on or not? Do you have to inform them first? So the Tesis understands that Gemara and Brachas as concluding that the dead don't know what's going on in this world. So why was Kaliv able to daven for help from the Avis? Only because they didn't know what was going on. So he informed them of what was happening and while informing them, mentioned, said, hey, I just wanted to update you. We're going into Eretz Yisrael. I think these guys have a plan. So he updated them. And in the course of updating him, Tesis says, he was allowed to slip in a tefillah. But generally speaking, don't do this. That's Tesis's answer, more or less. They, uh, you're not normally allowed to do this, but since they were inform- he was informing the Avis as long as he was there, he was able to slip in a tefillah. The Me'iri has an issue with this, which I guess probably most Rishen would end up having with this, although the Me'iri is the one who mentions it, is that that's not necessarily the conclusion of that Gemara Masachas Brachas. In Masachas Brachas, it sounds like the dead do know what's going on in the world. Uh, some achrenim look at that taste and say taste is actually trying to justify our Gemara by slipping it into an opinion in brachas that we don't hold like but it's all very I'm telling you this is very awkward for a lot of people because this doesn't seem to be the way that we do things and there's a Gemara that says this is exactly the way we do things you can watch on the page the achrenim struggling with how to, how to fit the tesis and the Gemara and brachas into our Gemara here let's look at halacha though le halacha are we allowed to daven to the dead there's one thing that everybody agrees we're not allowed to do we are not allowed to ask dead people to use their own power to help us that includes kibre tzadikim we're not allowed to tell a tzaddik, you use your power as a tzaddik to help me when they're not alive anymore. That's not allowed. What can, we, what can we ask them to do? We can ask them to talk to Hashem based on Kaliv and our Gemara. We can tell the tzaddik, go ask Hashem to give me mercy. There's also Gemara Masechus Tainus on 16a. says that we go to cemeteries so that the dead will bikshu rachamim for us, that they'll ask for rachamim on our behalf. So it sounds like this is something the Gemara generally approves of, asking the dead to ask God for help for us, for mercy for us at the very least. Seems to be well established. There's Magen Avram and Erechaim 579 that says that we dive at cemeteries here Here's the Lush in the Mangad Avram. That's the Mangad Avram saying that the Mesim should ask for Rachamim for us. So asking dead people to daven to Hashem that we should have mercy seems to be okay. Huh? The reason, the reason why. So the recording doesn't always pick up the questions, but David's asking, isn't this rendered moot by the fact that in the, uh, that in the Manalashan we say that the tzaddikim are not called mesim, you're not allowed to dive into the mesim, that would be awesome, but these are living because they're, the Roshayim are called mesim. The, the, reason why it do, the reason why it's still relevant, though, is because we're dealing with the Avis here. So since we're basing all this on the Avis, they are... They, they, they are I don't know how to stim anything with the Zayar. Not officially Jewish. Not officially Jewish. How often are they not even Jewish? I will point out, as long as we're here anyway, that there are some mefarshim, some halachists, if you will, poskim. Uh, there are some poskim who don't allow you to do even that, even though the Gemara's all seem to say you can. There's a berachet, there's a berachet, he brings the ma'aril, that says that all of this is, uh, is, is, uh, is canned talk. This is the way people talk. That's not literally what we're doing. You're not allowed to ever do such a thing. You're supposed to ask Hashem to help you in the merit of the dead people. And that applies to tzaddikim. It applies to the avis. It applies to anywhere. Go to Hebron, go to Kever Rachel. Say to Hashem, in the merit of Rachel, help me. And this is uh, brought by some poskim. There's a bach that says the whole reason we go to Kever Tzaddikim and why Kalev went is just because it's a Makam Kaddish and you're not 
supposed to interact with the Mason at all. It's just that, you know, there's a couple holy places, and one of them happens to be Kivrei Tzadikim. However, if you did want to daven to a Tzadik to help you, as long as you weren't going to ask the Tzadik to use his own power, and you were going to ask the Tzadik to daven on your behalf to say, ask for Rachamim from Hashem, you would at least have a Magan Avram to rely on, and you would clearly have, a, I mean, a pretty clearly have our Gemara and a Gemara Masachas Tainus to rely on. As to David's question about what exactly to do with the fact that the Zayar doesn't seem to hold of any of this, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Also, you have to throw into a, a monkey wrench into the entire thing is that, is that, uh, is everything we know from the Maimaram of Hishtachos, that, uh, Apichsidis, when you daven to, when you daven at, a, at an oil, when you daven by a Rebbe, you're not really davening to the Rebbe or to Hashem so much. What you're really doing is uniting yourself with the greater self that is the Rebbe and making the entire Jewish people daven together. So there, there's some funny business when it comes to how to understand this mystically, how to understand this Apichsidis. But Apinigla, there certainly is what to rely on if somebody wants to say to a tzaddik by a kever, please intercede on my behalf and ask for Rachim. That is not beyond the pale. I think a lot of people think it is, uh, and they would be mistaken. Argamara strongly suggests that's what Kalev himself did. Uh, we're already almost out of time. Let me do at least one more of these really interesting points. Uh, why did Mesha only daven for Yeshua? You didn't care about anybody else? Almost all the Mepharshim asked this question. You ever wonder that? Yeshua da- Mesha davens for Yeshua because he's his friend. He's getting shimish by him. Yeshua's always in the tent. We're not going to daven for Kalev. Nobody cares about Kalev. Nobody cares about, uh, I don't know, uh, Shamua ben Zakor. Nobody cares about these guys. As Targum Yenisan says that Yeshua was more humble than everybody else. He learned from Mesha humility. He was getting shimish by Mesha. He was in his tent all the time. He learned to be humble and listen to everybody. Mesha was worried about that guy. He has no backbone. He said, I'm worried that, he, that he's so humble he's going to listen to Atzatz Meraglim. So the rest of them, he assumed you guys are going to be okay. But Yeshua, he might give in, so he gave him a little boost. There's a good Ariad that says that Mesha specifically davened for Yeshua because it would have reflected very poorly on Mesha if Yeshua went off the derech, so to speak. Whereas all the other ones, you could kind of, you could kind of explain you know, what, what happened. They fell victim to the Yetzirah. If, if, if Mesha's choicest student can't stand up to his Yetzirah, that says something about Mesha. And by the way, if there's something negative to say about Mesha, that means the whole Torah might be wrong, right? That's a Rambam, God forbid. But that's a Rambam. That once you question Mesha, you're really questioning the entire Torah. So Mesha couldn't afford to have that kind of uh, peritz gather. You had to make sure that Yeshua was not going to fail. There is a Kliyakar. The Kliyakar says that we have to look at their ancestors. Yosef was a tattletale. That was what he was known for. Yosef tattled to his father all the time in our parishes. I mean, Yosef. Yosef was always tattling on his brothers. So Meshe was worried that, uh, the, that when it comes to uh, Ephraim and Menashe, these are two Shvatim that are particularly good at Lashon Hara, particularly good at Diba. They have Yetzirah for passing on negative reports, for speaking Lashon Hara about things. So he's worried about Ephraim and Menashe. Now, uh, he figured if Yeshua didn't say anything rotten, then Gadi ben Susi over by Menashe wouldn't either because Menashe was a little bit subservient to the tribe of Ephraim. So it's just a very interesting page. The Kaliakar says, basically, Meshe was, always wor- was only worried about two tribes possibly saying something negative about the land, and that was Yeshua. Yeshua's tribe and one other Nasi's tribe. Yeshua was superior to that other Nasi, so he doubted for Yeshua, figured he'd have the entire Bnei Yosef covered and no one else would do the wrong thing. It was a, clearly not, uh, uh? Yeah, yeah, that's clearly not correct, right? But actually, uh, even Al Pichsidis Mesha was clearly not correct about the spies. So even when you take the Maimara, Mesha had the idea that maybe they were Makusha to him more than they really were. There clearly was something Mesha missed. That is, uh, that is very obvious for me, even Al Pichsidis. Yeah, you have actually. Oh, yeah. says that he, that he had to had let them make their own mistakes. No, no, there's a lot of mafarshim. But uh, hang on. There's, there's, there's a Mesha Chachma. We don't ever quote Mesha Chachma in this year. I don't know if you've ever quoted it. There's a Mesha Chachma that says Yeshua fought a Malik, and Mesha figured that if even he was scared of what he saw, no one else would be brave enough to enter Eretz Yisrael. So you can't have, look, if, 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 these, uh, if, if Reuben, Shemua ben Zakur comes back and says these guys are terrifying, they go, okay, Shemua ben Zakur, how many, how many wars have you fought? But if Yeshua comes back quaking in his boots, that's the end of the entire mission. This guy's fearless. He goes to battle against a Malik. He's afraid of nothing. Comes back from Israel with a negative report. Nobody's going in. So we needed to strengthen him specifically. There is uh, also 
also in Arizal. The Arizal says that Mesha only died for Yeshua because there was one a spirit, there was a ruach of every shevet went with one nasi. So what you had was the ruach of the spirit of Reuven went with Shemua ben Zakor. So he had extra protection because he had the spirit of that, of that shevet protecting him. But there's only one Yosef. So who did Yosef go with? And the answer is that Yosef went with the other guy. Yosef went with Menasha. So there was nobody going with Ephraim. So Yeshua was simply the only person who showed up for the spies without having one of the shvatim on, uh, covering them. So instead of having this shevet cover, and Mesha himself said, I'm going to cover you. And in the end, Mesha's schos was greater than that of all of the shvatim, and he was able to protect Yeshua in a way that Reuben, Shimon, Levi, and Yehuda were simply not able to. Um, I want to do another one, but this is a, it's, it's a yetahara. Should we spend another two minutes? You guys want to go home? Another two minutes? Okay, last thing I want to tell you. Uh, and this one bothers me every time I see it. The two things happen here. Now, thing number one, Kaliv Davins for help with his Yetzirah. Save me from Atas Menaglim. Thing number two, Mesha Davins, the Yeshua should have help with his Yetzirah. Neither of these things, the Chara Mutter, because Hakobi De Shemaim Chotzmiyere Shemaim. We're not a, you, can't, you can't daven for help with the Yetzirah. You know, the only one who can decide whether to do an Avera is Kaliv. He can't tell the Avis, hey, make sure I don't have a Yetzirah. Kaliv, use, 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 make good decisions, Kaliv. And as for Yeshua, he doesn't even daven for himself. Mesha Davins, the Yeshua won't do an Avera, and therefore Yeshua doesn't do an Avera. That's not how Hakobi Deshemaim Chutzimir Deshemaim works. This is supposed to be Yeshua and Kaliv's personal decision. Seems to be a problem with our, with our entire philosophy of how sin works. So several Mepharshim answered this question. Um, there is a Gemara Masechus Brachis, it's on 10a, where Rebbe Meir davens for a bunch of bad guys to become good guys. You might remember this Gemara because it's near the very beginning of Shas. Rebbe Meir had some Bruyne, there were some ruffians, and uh, Rebbe Meir had befriended them sort of, he was trying to bring them back, they weren't coming back. Finally, he davens Hashem, make them do tshuva, and they do tshuva. So the Marashah over there asked this question, but he doesn't ask on our Gemara, he asks on that Gemara. He says, why was Rebbe Meir allowed to daven for other people to, to fix their Yetzirah? Shouldn't they be able to make that decision? He took away their Bechira with his davening. Very, very funny how he was able to do that, and the Marashah says, Tzaruch Ian, I have no idea. <laughs> Says, I have no idea how Rabbi Meir was able to daven for the ruffians. However, says the Marashah, we can answer half the question. When a person davens for themselves, they are making a decision. So the Marashah says that we say, uh, we say, we ask God to return us to the terror. We say, that God should unite our hearts to help love his name. So we daven all the time for Hashem to help us with our Yetzirahs, and the Marashah says that's totally fine. Why? Because I'm already, when I make the decision that I want help with my Yetzirah, that is me using my Bechira to, help, to ask for extra help. And his Lashen, that's a Lashon Gemara too. The way a person wants to go is the way that on high they are guided. So when a person says, Hashem, save me from my own Yetzirah, that's a choice. And that choice Hashem rewards by actually saving you from your Yetzirah. The only question the Marashah leaves behind is how can somebody else dive in to help you with your Yetzirah? So using this Marashah, we can answer half our question. We know how Kaliv's worked. Kaliv chose to go to the Ovis and ask for help with his Yetzirah, and he was therefore helped. We still don't know what happened with Yeshua though. Meshua was somehow able to dive in that Yeshua would never Yetzirah, and Marashah leaves that B'tzarach when it comes to Mayor and the Ruffians. So what exactly do we do with that? Believe it or not, there is an Igris Mesha on this of all things. There is somebody wrote this in a letter to Reb Mesha saying, I don't understand how somebody can daven for someone else to do tshuva. And Reb Mesha has an answer in Igris Mesha. You will find an Igris Mesha in Arachayim, uh, volume four. The entry is 40. And he says there that uh, you can't daven for someone to do tshuva. And that's not what Rebbe Meir was doing. It's a di- we're misunderstanding the Gemara. In the Gemara, he says, Rebbe Meir was davening that their circumstances should change. Sometimes people have certain lifestyles and certain circumstances that make tshuva almost impossible. You can daven for their circumstances to change 
change in such a way that tshuva is the obvious decision for them, but they still have to take the plunge themselves. I don't know, somebody who simply will starve to death if they don't work on Shabbos, you can dive into that situation should change for them, that they should get a job that would make it very easy for them not to work on Shabbos, and then hope that their own Yetzir Tev kicks in and makes them not work on Shabbos. So Ramesha says that when Rabbi Meir was davening for these ruffians, he was davening for the situation to change, we could apply that to our case, is that Meshe was not davening, the Yeshua shouldn't listen to the Meraglim at all, that he should not have a Yetzirah, but that maybe that the situation shouldn't be that the Meraglim are very convincing when talking to him, just that maybe the situation itself will go a little easier on his Yetzirah. There is a Chazan Ish, though, who says things a little bit differently. There's a Chazan Ish that says, only means that Hashem himself won't interfere. It doesn't mean that people can't interfere. So I'll derech the, first, the second answer in the Marashah, means that Hashem will never take away someone's Bechira and help them to do a sin or help them to do a mitzvah. But if I start davening that David should do tshuva, that's in my hands. That's bidei aretz. That's not bidei shemaim. I, a person living down here, decided to daven for someone else to do tshuva, and that works. It's just that Hashem doesn't do it himself. There's a chazanish like that, maybe. There is uh, an al-terebbe from Likot and with that we'll conclude, although I know we went late. Thank you so much for staying late. I do want to tell you the Likot very briefly. You'll find this Likot Teterah Midbar, page 15. The al-terebbe says that normally, the fact that Hashem knows what we're going to do controls us because it's close enough to us that we are impacted by it. It's something that's at the level that's called Shemaim, which is the Midas, Chesed and Gevura. At the levels of the Sphiris of Atzilus, God knows what I'm about to do. He knows that I'm about to move this plate from here to here. That wasn't a mitzvah. That wasn't an Avera. Since it was neither a mitzvah nor an Avera, that was Bidei Shemayim. God knew it before I did it, and his knowing was enough to influence my actual action. Somewhere deep down in my heart, I knew that I had to move that plate the way that I just did, and that's because I'm relatively close to that level of God's knowledge. There is a level at which God knows whether I'm going to do a mitzvah or whether I'm going to do an Avera. But that level is so transcendent that it has nothing to do even with my panemius. Even in a subconscious way, I don't have any relationship with that level of godliness. So the level at which God knows what I'm going to do mitzvah and Avera-wise doesn't relate to me at all, so I have complete Bechira. Whereas the level at which he knows what I'm going to do Rishos-wise, it does relate to me. So the Alter Rebbe says, what HaKobi Deshmaim Chutz means, is that everything is in the hands of heaven, that is, normal things that I do in my daily life, heaven being the midas that are low enough that they can influence me, chutz mi yirishmaim, when it comes to yirishmaim, that's at a level significantly higher, where it doesn't influence what I do directly. So putting that, putting that al-terebbe back onto our question, the reason why we're able to daven for God to help us with things is that we are davening relative to the level at which God already knows whether I'm going to do a mitzvah and a veda. At some level, God has decided or does know whether I'm going to do a sin or not, and I can daven to Hashem at that level, please help save me from my, from my averas or please help strengthen me in mitzvahs because there is a level at which God is active. It's just that normally I don't have access to that level so it doesn't influence me. So what I can do is I can turn to God and say, please give me a feeling, give me, give me a derher, give me a feeling of the level at which you know that I can do this mitzvah and use that to strengthen me to do this mitzvah. And that's sort of a, a complicated, but it does, he does address it though. He actually even brings the marashah, the Alter Rebbe. He brings a lot of these mafarshim before answering this question. So this is definitely al-derech what we're talking about. Several suggestions for how Yeshua was able to daven for, I'm sorry, Meshua was able to daven for Yeshua and Kali was able to dive in for himself that they shouldn't do Avedas. Thank you all very much.